Good. Everybody ready for some word today? Pray God, I hope you come expecting good things from the Lord. If you draw on the Lord, not just from me, you'll receive more than I know. You'll receive what He knows, and that's what sets us free. Jesus said the truth will make you free. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 1. If you can't find it, uh, find the table of contents and turn the page. And there you go. Very first verse, very first book, and we'll read the first chapter uh, from Genesis chapter 1 in, in just a moment. Now, the Bible, as, as we, of course, refer to this book of books, is uh, full of examples of people who interacted with God, people who came into contact with God, people that had great need, and God intersected their lives and met that need, turned their life around. Uh, of course, we also have the record of individuals who um, came into contact with God, but they didn't embrace Him. They didn't yield to Him. They resisted Him. And that was to their own demise. So not all, not all stories in the book are good stories, right? Some of them we learn what not to do. Some of them we learn what to do. It's kind of like our lives today. I mean, we got good examples and bad examples. Uh, everyone's an example, I guess, in some way. Yeah. <laughs> you, are a, you are just so helpful to me. <laughs> I know exactly what not to do in my life. <laughs> uh, but we should be smart people recognized. Don't do that, do this. Uh, in the Scriptures, it is the same way. But many people have come into contact with God and they've experienced what really everyone truly wants. And that's a God-infused life. Something that is at the heart of every human being. We know we're supposed to be connected. We're supposed to be in relationship with Him. Now, I think that's pretty normal. I mean, for God to create people and for them to know Him, for them to interact with Him, for them to connect, for them to commune or fellowship or speak or communicate, you know, with Him, that's pretty normal. I mean, that just makes logical sense. Why would God create intelligent human beings? I know that word can be debated, but for the most part, <laughs> intelligent human beings, and then not communicate with them, and then not connect with them. And it's interesting, but so many people live that way, and I just think it's totally weird. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, for God to create people and then them not interact with their Creator, something seems wrong with that. But instead, what you do have from time to time is actual, I don't know, criticism or mocking of those who have that relationship. In other words, if somebody says, uh, I speak to the Lord God, and he speaks to me. Some people freak out over that, especially that last part. <laughs> they don't mind people speaking up into the air, imagining. But you're saying God talks to you. They think you're somehow, you know, mentally unstable if you think that. But I think they're mentally unstable for thinking that. I, here's the way I'm thinking. After I read this book and through my own experiences, I'm thinking, what? Are you saying... That you believe in God, but He absolutely is distant and silent in your life? He doesn't talk to you? How weird. I mean, what a... What, you're a weirdo. 
Now, now, some, uh, now if, if you say, well, that might be me. I know, you're, I'm not saying you're just like weird, but your experience is weird. Yes. If you don't have contact, interaction, communication with God, and it's both, both directions. I'm saying it's weird in this regard. That's not the way he designed it. It's not the way he wanted it to be. It's not the way he wants it to be. Okay, but we have drifted so far from his original intent that we think, hey, this is normal. What, what's normal? I'm a Christian. I go to church and don't hear from God. And I pray and nothing happens. And it's just, we just got to learn to live with it because someday in heaven it'll all be better and we'll, ah, you didn't read that in this book. You never found a scripture or a promise that said this is the model, you know, image of your relationship with God. It's pretty bland. It's pretty silence. There's not much happening. No, in fact, the promises state just the opposite. And those who made the connection, their experience was something we should pay attention to. Because it ought to be all, all of our experiences. Amen. So just like that would be normal connection, interaction, experience, encounter with God, the opposite is totally unnatural for us not to know Him and not to hear from Him and experience God in a personal way. Okay? So let's go to Genesis. You already found that. Genesis chapter 1. Read the well-known verses in, in verses 26 through 28. It reads, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. You understand us and our refers to the uniplural God, right? Elohim or the three in one. According to our likeness, then let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I mean, no, we have dominion over creeps. Right? Yeah. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so I want to draw your attention to a couple things in these verses and first and foremost is that we were created in God's likeness and in His image, all right? His likeness and His image. We were created to be like God, all right? Now, those terms, um, image and likeness, the Hebrew words, uh, by definition, are resemblance, shade, um, likeness means model or shape. These things refer to the outward form by their usage in other places in the Scripture. So when, when it says we're made in the likeness and image of God, this might seem different than what people have thought. They thought, well, we're, you know, we love like Him or we uh, have character like Him. It actually is saying we look like Him. So what does God look like? Can you imagine what God looks like? I can. I mean, we all try, right? We've all tried to go there. We talk to him and we're imagining what he looks like. Here's the answer. He looks kind of like you. He looks kind of like me. Yeah. In other words, 
it makes sense. It makes logical sense. He created us, obviously on a level to fellowship with him and commune with him, to communicate, to have a relationship. So it just makes sense, but he did this. He made us to look like him. I mean, how would you do it? If you were the creator and you were creating someone you wanted to hang with and bless and just, you know, wanted them to enjoy their existence, would you make them? I mean, let your imagination run, I guess. What would that look like? How, you'd probably make them, that they look like you. And God did that. Right. So, I mean, sometimes we try to imagine the, you know, the landscape of heaven. What does that look like? Well, the, the few verses that we have that describe heaven, you know what it reveals? That heaven looks a lot like earth. Yeah. Take away the corruption. Take away the sin effects, which are probably much bigger than we can even comprehend. So heaven is a perfect place. But earth is a lot like heaven. There's trees. There's rivers. There, you read about these things in, in the Word. Say, well, why did God do that? Well, because He likes it. In other words, he, it's His taste. He created heaven and earth, and in the same breath, heaven and earth. You see that frequently in Scripture. In other words, they're very similar. Take away the sin and the, cor- and the corruption and all the effects that uh, we've had on the place, and it's, it'll, earth will be remade at one point. Remember new heavens? Heavens around the earth. Not the planet heaven, but heavens around the earth, and the earth, and the earth itself will be made new, and it'll all be God's taste. And your God's taste. I don't really like the way I look. Well, I think we'll be fixed up to be our best. But God likes the way you look. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what gets improved fully. We know age is not in God's original design or any kind of breakdown or failure. But other than that, God likes the way you look. Yeah. And, uh, and so he made us like him in, in appearance, in outward appearance. Also, we see another similarity. It says, let them have dominion. Dominion means to subdue, to govern, or to reign over. We are like God in that, re- in that respect, okay? God is not dominated. He's not reigned over. And he made us, of course, we're under him, but he made us to rule this place. He made us to reign, to subdue, to have dominion on the earth, And so this is, again, one of the ways we are like him. My my main point is, see, God made himself and explains he made man in his image, then male and female he made them. In other words, he made a male version of himself and a female version of himself. Yeah, Uh, I mean, say, well, which one is God? That's thinking fleshly, okay? I don't think that God has reproductive organs, like a flesh human being. He, uh, so which one's creating the image of God, male or female? Yes. <laughs> and that was God's idea, all right? All right. And how many know it is, it, it, it is no uh, benefit, it, it is not correct or, nor compassionate to confuse those two things. That doesn't help anybody. It actually heart hurts them when you divert away from God's original intent. Okay, whether you're talking physically or, or the fact that we are made in his image and in his likeness. Um, but here's my main point. God didn't make us to be something way different than him. Something that's just off in left field, totally a different 
uh, kind of creation of some kind. No, he, he made us to be like him. And, and, and the reason for this was he wanted to have relationship, have communion, have fellowship with us. Uh, we are made like God. We are not animals. We're not just, you know, the highest animal on the food chain, as some like to say. No, animals weren't created in the image of God, but you were. Amen. <laughs> and so any kind of relationship that you have with an animal, and that's real. People have pets, and they know their pets, and their pets know them. Uh, that can be very real. But that's nothing compared to your potential relationship with God. And let, me, let me say it this way. It's not, if I could use my hands, not God, us, animals. It would be God, us, animals. In the, in the hierarchy of creation, if you will. We were made like him. So our communion with God, our connection with him is to be so much greater than any, you know, connection we have with our, our dog or something like that. It's supposed to be very real, very powerful. After God created Adam and Eve, he didn't, he didn't then hide himself. Like, I don't want you to know who I am. I'm the secret guy behind the curtain and you can't know me. No, he created them and then communed with them, spoke with them, walked with them, talked with them. It was a, a wonderful, loving, glorious relationship between the creator and his creation. Desirable, wonderful. He wasn't trying to stay away. And they knew his voice. He knew their voice. This was God's design. Even after the fall, we can see that God, when I say the fall, Sin came into the world. Death came by sin. There was a, a spiritual disconnect and a separation between God and man. We know that theologically, that they spiritually died in an instance. But what's interesting is when you read the word, is they kept talking. So they were, in a spiritual sense, separated, cut off, but yet there was still interaction. They still heard God's voice. And you read many years later, because Genesis covers many years, sometimes in a couple verses. And many years later, remember God came and he was talking with Cain as Cain was about to make a big mistake. He talked with him and Cain didn't freak and go, what's that? I, hear a, I heard a voice. What was that? What was that? Dad, what was that? Was that that guy you used to talk to? No. It seemed that all these years later, God speaking to human beings was still normal. I would hear your voice, you'd hear my voice, I'd hear God's voice, he'd hear my voice. And that was still normal. Even after Cain killed Abel, God came talking to him. In other words, God didn't say, I'm never talking to you again. You did such a horrible thing, and it was a horrible thing. God still came talking to him. And I find that model interesting because of where things were and where things, how things progressed or dig, 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 digressed, how we have not evolved but devolved, and the way people still think today, and sometimes even Christians, because we have to get our minds renewed to think correctly, otherwise we adapt the behavior of a fallen world who thinks that 
hearing from God is somehow odd or strange or even weird, instead of normality defined by him that says this closeness and this interaction is the way we were designed. I was created by him. God used his own self to create me and to create you. I naturally connect. It's normal to interact. And that, that thought is often not believed by us. You see it sometimes play out when we've got a decision to make and God is not our first thought. Oh, I'll ask him. I'll ask the Father. We ask 12 other people and then say, well, I guess I'll pray about this. <laughs> or some physical attack or problem. And our first thought, 911. <laughs> our first thought, I need to get a scan. Our first thought is I need a pill. Should that be our first thought? I mean, we're created by him. And we have a relationship with him. Wouldn't our first thought, wouldn't it make more sense that we would immediately go to him to be the solution to our problem? But because we don't think that way, we don't experience what could come from that type of connected life. Amen. But I think we can work our way back. I don't know how long it took in these original days, because again, it's not laid out, but Genesis covers many years. But somewhere along the line, people stopped hearing God's voice. People just became less and less common until no one is interacting with God hardly at all. And even with us, it seems that it takes some kind of, I mean, it takes some kind of God-initiated experience many times for us to hear His voice. And I'm saying, it ought not be that way. It ought to be the most natural, normal, you know, what do we say? We call it second nature or maybe first nature thing that we should, could ever do is we should interact with and walk with and experience God in our personal lives. So the people became, I think over years and generations, became spiritually dull. It was the effects of death, spiritual death, separation, and the effects of people not walking with God, where one day they would get up and say, hey, how are you today? they talk with the Lord. It was normal. Just like if you, you're married and you get up and you see each other and it's just normal to interact, right? People would wake up and they'd talk to God. And then one day someone woke up and they didn't. And then after a while, it was hardly ever. And then after quite a while, it was never. And then their kids grew up and they never saw mom and dad talk to God. The mom and dad weren't saying, oh, the Lord said this to me today. The Lord revealed this to me. And it became very natural. And our, our psyche, if you will, our brains were trained. I'm talking us, the human race, were trained that hearing from God is an abnormal event. It's weird. It's strange. Not many people do it. You have to have a special gift from God to do that. Everybody with me today? We, we talk about, now let me define we now. We is us, <laughs> usins. We are churches like ours, us, other churches like ours, Christians, spirit-filled Christians. Uh, we often will use the language of, I have a relationship, not a religion. Yeah. 
right? Very common for people to say things like that these days. We'll say, oh, you're a very religious person. And, you know, we might respond, well, it's really more of a relationship with him than just a religion. And uh, we've come into some understanding of what that means. And I think that's very positive because what we can experience, religion can't offer, all right? In other words, we can know God. That's the crux of the new covenant. You can know him personally, intimately. You can have this, and it's got to be personal and real and experiential. But I want to you know, challenge you today to, to not forget about that word personal. Keep it personal. Keep it real on an intimate one-on-one level. It's not we have a relationship with God, it's you do. We do this together, but I have my own toothbrush, right? We don't have a community toothbrush here at the church. In case anyone forgot to brush this morning, we'll pass it around. Everyone can do their, no, 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 that's too personal. That's too personal, right? We, have, we do some things together, but my relationship with God is, is mine. You can't have it. And there's nothing you can do to, get, to take it away. Right? And there's nothing I can do to take your relationship with God away. It's got to be that real, that personal, experiential. Now, it's possible to say this, you know, I have a relationship over a religion, uh, and yet still put religion over relationship. What I mean by that sometimes is systems is habits, is uh, practices. You know, many of us have this. We do certain things like eat and sleep and shower and eat uh, food and cook or chores or, you know, mow the lawn. We, we, we do all these things, some of them habitually. We do them at a certain time of the day or day of the week and patterns. There's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's a danger when, when we get too systematic with God. That's when we create religions. Okay, when there's no flexibility in there. There's no change. It's not life. It's just, I am a Christian. Right? I don't want religion to take over relationship. I don't don't mean that all aspects of spiritual habit are bad. Many of them are good. But I've got to let life dominate. Okay, sometimes people will say, I've seen t-shirts and things like this that say, I love my church. Okay, I'm not saying that's evil. Or, I love my Bible. I don't know if that's on a shirt, but people will say that. <laughs> I, I, I love my Bible, okay? That's fine. Again, I don't see that, that as, as evil or wrong or anything like that. But my question is, do you love God? And I'm just saying that should supersede anything else. Any other form, any other action, any other spiritual discipline. It ought to be superseded by, I have a deep, profound, and intimate love for God. I love to be with Him. I love His voice. I love His ways. I love to spend time. I I, I like Him. We spend time together and I like it. I want him. I, he's, he's my all in all. And when that is real to you, now you're doing it right. Now you're set up to succeed in so many other areas. It, I think we have a tendency, we 
again, humans, uh, we could say Christians, have a tendency to dry out, uh, to become stagnant or robotic in many things, even with God, unless we have intentional, um, intentional actions that counter that. Okay, it's like we live in a dry climate, right? Our humidity levels are low here, which I like that personally. Uh, but at the same time, probably more people here than in the South or in Hawaii or something use lotion, right? Put lotion on your hands and your skin dries out more quickly here than in a tropical climate. In other words, without intentional inter interaction with something moist, your skin will flake, right? Your skin will not act the way that it needs to act. It gets dried out. It seems that our relationship with God is also similar. I have to do certain things and I have to keep doing them. I have to do it intentional. I have to get out the spray bottle, you know, I've got to add some moisture to this thing, otherwise it's going to dry out, become stagnant, become flaky, become robotic, and now I'm going through the motions and I no longer have a living, I don't feel it anymore, a living relationship with God. I don't feel it anymore. There's no emotion to this. Say, so we're not supposed to be emotional, are we? Well, sure we are. I'm just not supposed to be led by emotions because you can't trust them. But for us to be emotional with God... Come on, it's religion that turns people into stiff, stiff yeah. things. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm worshiping God. <laughs> Come on. Wow. Yeah. If you're married, did you act that way on your wedding? I hope not. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you may kiss your bride. <laughs> no feelings involved. Dude, let your feelings come out. They're there. We've been taught different. I'm just saying, if, if we ever do that with the Lord, even if we are more, I know some of us are more, you know, calculated and so forth than others. I, I get that. But it, it's a relationship with God. He made all these things. He made emotion. Our relationship with him is supposed to be alive and fresh and I'm just saying, it, without some intentional effort, um, it's not going to be like it ought to be. Uh, I remember in, in, in Bible school, I had some friends, uh, one in particular that I'm thinking of, and whenever we would see each other, one of the common statements we would make is, hey man, how's it going? Stir it up. We'd say, come on, stir it up. Come on, what are you doing? Stir it up. And... Uh, and we're just, we're messing with each other, but we're messing with each other with Scripture. Because Paul told uh, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1, he said, uh, stir up the gift of God which is in you. Stir up the gift. And so that's what we were talking about. Stir up the gift. Stir up that praise. Stir up the prophecy. Stir up the, the gift of God. Come on, man, stir it up. Especially if someone looked like they weren't that stirred. <laughs> And we'd say, come on, man, stir it up. What's going on? How you doing? Come on, stir it up. Haven't you been praying today? Haven't you been communing with the, with the Father today? What's going on in you? Stir it up. Why would we, anyone need to stir it up? Things are too calm. 
spiritually in your life. The picture there is like a sticking the poker in the fire. You know, the, the flame has gone down and it's just burning embers underneath. You poke it around a little bit and move things and the air gets in there and the flame bursts back up. And that's what we need in our lives. Amen. Stir it up. Here's what uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy 4.14. He said, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of hand of the hands of the eldership. Think about it. You can neglect the gift of God. That's what I'm talking about. Your relationship with Him is a gift. Salvation is a gift. We're made like... Don't neglect it. Does your relationship with God need attention? Does it? Come on, does anybody in here, does your relationship with God need attention? Here's the answer. Now watch. This is not for backslidden people. This is for everybody. Here's the answer. Yes, mine needs attention. Yes, mine needs stirred up. Those gifts in me need stirred up. Yes, I need to intentionally add lotion. <laughs> add some moisture to this thing. Add some life back into this thing so it doesn't dry out. Hebrews 2 verse 3 reads, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And so what I'm trying to say is a, a real relationship with God requires daily intentional interaction. It requires it. And if we find ourselves going days, let alone weeks or months, without heart to heart with the Father, without close interaction, communion with Him, we're totally dry. Amen. It's just not going to work like it's supposed to work. And you know, if you had a passenger in your car and you were going on a road trip and you were driving for hours and you guys never talked, not a word spoken, it was as if they weren't there, would that be weird? Say, uh, my wife and I, we've done that. <laughs> Well, that's because you were fighting, probably. <laughs> I'm not talking about periods of sleep or something like that, but it would just be weird. You're going to act like they're not there? Do we do that with the Lord? He is more real than any person you know. Yet if we go hours without talking to Him, how weird, awkward, what's going on? I heard a, a quote recently about Smith Wigglesworth, if you know the famous preacher of old. And the quote was this, where he supposedly said, I rarely ever pray for more than 30 minutes, but I rarely ever go more than 30 minutes without praying. And I thought, that's a mentality of someone who's connected who has a very real, personal, continual interaction with God, is he just doesn't go through, won't go 30 minutes without saying, hey, without checking in, without talking to the Lord about things, about life. And for many, I think this is the missing ingredient. For many people who have been even Christians for quite some time, yet God seems distant. He's not, but He seems that way to you. His voice seems very infrequent, if ever coming to you. Uh, making a connection in prayer where He answers and things change in your life, your body, your relationships, your finances. It seems very far away. What needs to be stirred up is this consciousness of God. 
this awareness of that he's with you, for you, around you, in you. You're made of the same substance. You speak the same language. You have the, your ears are tuned to his voice, just like his are to your voice. Without that conscious awareness of him, this quickly goes to a very fleshy, worldly life where all we know is the voice of human beings. We don't have spiritual ears. We don't have spiritual eyes. And, and that's where, if you can bring this back, it'll change everything going forward and make this thing alive again like it's supposed to be. All right? Uh, God is not a box we check. Okay, went to church, read my chapter, prayed, you know, and we're almost like a to-do list. Mowed the lawn, went to the grocery store, cleaned the house, you know, walked the dog, uh, whatever, getting all these things done. Okay, and then we do the same thing with the Lord. Went to church, gave my tithe, yada, yada. I'm a good person. I'm a good Christian. How do you define Christian? Just by you, you check the religious boxes? Not that those are bad behaviors, but if they're done too robotically, yikes, you're just religious. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I think this thing can shift, but it has to be personal, right? It's, it doesn't even get fixed by going to church. Because you can go to church and stand, sing, stand up, sit down, sing the song, open the... You could do it all robotically and never have a real connection with Him while you're here. And that's what I want to fix. I, I want my connection to be stronger. I want yours to be stronger than it's ever been, where He's above all and in all and through all and, and in everything. And I walk out with a, a sensing, an awareness. You know, could I borrow you, Taylor? If... if uh, if Taylor followed me around, could you follow me like real close? Yes. <laughs> Just kind of bump into me. Like closer. There. Or I'm going through life. Could I ignore him very long? I mean, could I be oblivious and say, I just never really hear from Taylor? Is he even paying attention to me? Where, where are you, Taylor? Do you even love me? <laughs> Thank you. I can't, my point is I can't ignore him if he's there like that. In that physical sense, I, I can't. But if my, if my spirit is aware of the very presence and influence and voice of God to that degree, and that's exercised by me, then I can't go through my day not aware of God. I can't go through my day saying, I just don't sense the Lord anymore. Ephesians 4, 4 reads, there is uh, one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. I like that concept. God everywhere. In everything. He's in my car and he's in my kitchen and he's at the church and he's in my bed and he's in my, he's in my mind and he's in my body and he's, he's in my bones. Come on. 
Some of you need to say, and he's in my liver and he's in my kidneys and he's in my heart and my lungs and he's in my, my nervous system. He's in my respiratory system and he's in my skeletal system. Come on. Consciousness of God all everywhere in and through and among us. And if we could live with that awareness, we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to be just dry and robotic. We're going to be aware of him. It's life. Amen. Is there any way where you could, we could make the word of God not work for us? Is there anything you could do to absolutely strip the word of God, the power out of the word of God from your own life to where it has no impact on you, no positive impact? Is there any way you can do that? There actually is. All right. When Jesus taught... And he talked to various people. One day he was speaking to religious people about how they were elevating their traditions. This is Mark 7, 13. He said, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition which you have handed down. If they could do that, could we do that? Wait a minute. Have we ever done that? Wait a minute. Have I ever done that? Taken tradition, something, what do you mean tradition? It's always been done this way. It's why I've, I've seen others do it. I've been told this is how it works. And I've elevated that to the point of God. In fact, I've made that more powerful than God's word. And now my tradition is what I live for. It's what I submit to. It's what's real to me. And the word of God is somewhere else down underneath that. What did I, do? What did I just do? I just stripped the word of God of its power. His, his word will have no effect on me. I've got to get it back in its proper place where the word is all, the word is the final word. God's word is what I give heed to. Amen. Praise God.